Hey. What? Who's there? Hey, Kevin. It's me, Stefan, from the Toronto punk band Pup. Really? But how how did you... Don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Hey, I just wanted to personally visit you and let you know we're coming out with some new music you'll like. What? That's amazing! When, when does it, uh... Never mind, never mind, never mind the date, never mind the date. We're just pumped you're excited. We can't wait for you to hear our transition into mainstream arena rock. What? But that doesn't sound like... I know, I know, I know. It's stark, it's a stark contrast, but, but, but trust us, alright? We haven't let you down yet, have we? Well, no, but... Exactly. And, and you'll see, and you'll see. When that first single comes out, you'll enjoy it. We even got Halsey to feature on the track, too. It's gonna be awesome. Oh, God, why? No, why would you do something like this? Oh, and get this, and get this. We're going to do this really trendy thing that everyone's doing right now where all the song titles are all undercase letters, too. Undercase letter? You Are you Billie Eilish or something? No, this can't be happening. There's no way. No, like, I, no. Kev, 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 wake up, wake up. You're, <laughs> you're, you're screaming in your sleep. You, uh, what? you okay? Oh, God, I just had the worst nightmare. Welcome to another episode of The Play Button. I'm Peter, and I'm here with my co-host, Kevin, uh, for another interesting week of music album reviews and uh, some song reviews in there as well. A bit of a quieter week after our last episode. Um, we have three, uh, three pretty good albums that we're going to cover anyways. Um, one is the new EP by uh, Local Natives called Sour Lemon. And then we're going to cover Clipping's uh, new sister album to last year's hit. Uh, they've come out with a new album called Visions of Bodies Being Burned. And then we're going to finish it up by talking about uh, Matt Berninger, the Nationals frontman, uh, with a new solo album called Serpentine Prison. And then after that, Kevin and I are going to talk a little bit about um, solo albums done by frontmen of big bands, obviously playing off of Matt Berninger's new album. We're going to talk a little bit about um, why, why artists do it and uh, whether they uh, work at the end of the day or whether they uh, fall flat. Yeah, I feel like uh, this week, we the, just by the names, we have some pretty intense albums. Like we've got Sour Lemon. That doesn't sound very pleasant. Visions of bodies being burned, like that—that that is just terrifying. And then serpentine prison, like that—that uh, that also sounds terrifying. So I don't know, some some pretty pretty scary sounding albums this week. First album up, uh, we have the California band Local Natives. They have released a new EP called Sour Lemon. Uh, this band is from Silver Lake, Los Angeles. And uh, earlier this year, I got the chance to actually visit uh, Los Angeles. It was the last trip I did uh, before the pandemic hit. And I went to Silver Lake. And Silver Lake is is easily the most hipster place I've ever been. It's just fancy coffee shops. Um, overpriced clothing stores and just just tons of of hilariously dressed hipsters um, roaming around. So that kind of gives you a bit of context to local native sound. Um, they 
have had uh, four full-length albums uh, so far in their career. Their early stuff was a bit more reminiscent of a band like Grizzly Bear, but with a more accessible sound. And then they've been kind of in this weird um, middle ground between expanding upon, you know, this kind of more interesting, folky, um, vocal harmony heavy and percussion heavy sound, while also striving for this more mainstream kind of electropop sound. And it's a, it's a little tough for me to follow their their um, their trajectory. And for me, sometimes they they just get on my nerves when they are trying too hard to achieve this mainstream sound. Do, do you pick up on that at all, Peter? Like, like they're just trying too hard? Um, I definitely do get that from especially Taylor's vocals. Um, it, there, there's an air of theatricality to it, and they also are trying to bring in a whole bunch of instruments at the same time um, in the hopes that one of them provides that hook that I think everyone wants to hear. I was looking... I was looking back at their catalog, some of their bigger songs, um, and I picked out the song Dark Days as a very easy listening, smooth track that is definitely the epitome of what you're talking about. It's a good <laughs> song, um, but uh, it's a good song, and, I, and I, I, I downloaded it shortly after and have been cranking it since, um, but it definitely gets at what you're trying to say, um, and I feel a bit of a dichotomy between this EP and that song a lot. Mm. Uh, it's, it's hard to know exactly what they're trying to go for. Yeah, I, I mean, this, this EP, it doesn't really expand on their sound that much, but it, it feels to me more of just an affirmation of their sound. Um, it's pretty breezy, low-stakes stuff. Like, it's it's just nice to listen to. There's nothing really annoying, per se, um, and I think it works well for them. But for me, yeah, that, that kind of melodramatic tone, it really turns me off. Uh, the song Lost, I think, is is truly just not a good song at all i think it's it's pretty garbage um overall though i i didn't i didn't um i didn't have any problem with the ep i thought some of the songs were quite good um but yeah i, I guess peter what do you when you approach an ep what what kind of things are you looking for are you looking for this band to just kind of churn out these quasi b-side tracks or are you looking for them to kind of enter new territory I would think it's one of the it's one of two things. It's either them expanding and trying out something really uh really different for them and just doing it over a small set of songs just to try it out. And in those cases I'm like, okay, like do what you gotta do, let's see if it works, and then maybe work it into an LP later. Um or or it's uh, it's usually just it's usually just uh, an extension of of an album um that we would have re previously released um as as pup did actually with um this place sucks ass a little bit just felt like there were some extra songs left over and they recorded them i don't like too much when bands do that um Mm. it's it's hard it's hard for me to understand if they would if they should be releasing an ep or just a deluxe version yeah but um they find that confusing but uh i like when they try new things yeah yeah, yeah, and and I think um, this EP is actually definitely more of the latter. It, it is, it definitely is an extension of the previous album, Violet Street. Um, and the reason that I know that is there's literally lyrics that that say that. So there's there's a line um, in the song Lemon that's like all all the streets are violet now. So I mean, it's it's clear that they're just kind of that's probably a song they wrote in that session, and they're just putting it here, but. Overall, you know, that track has a guest vocal turn by Sharon Van Etten, who's another artist that I that I really enjoy. So, you know, it's it's low stakes. Like there's only four songs. It's not really going to 
change anything, but uh, I, I didn't mind throwing this on. Um, yeah, what, what was your overall kind of impression? It's funny, we talked a lot about uh, whether they try too hard, and I think that Taylor Rice's vocals fall into that category a little bit. I found mm. that um, I liked it when he wasn't front and center. He has a nice voice, but, and I have the same opinion about Florence Welsh too, which is a hot take. Oof. I just find that their voices are just a little bit too much in my face. And it's, and it's nice when they're just dialed back a little bit. They're nice voices, just maybe not at the level that they usually are. So when he was mixed with Sharon Van Etten on the song Lemon, I liked that a lot. Right. I liked what was going on around them with the strings and the harmonies between them. Um, but I didn't like a song like Lost. I, th- I found it just a little bit too much of his whiny vocals um, and not much else going on. So so Lost is actually Lost is actually the other vocalist. So for me, like... I hated that song, and, and it was the one song where Taylor doesn't sing. So I think you might actually... They sound very similar, and it took me a really long time to realize that there's two vocalists, but um, I think you might really dislike the other guy. Um, which, yeah, that that's how I felt about it. Interesting. I wouldn't have even picked up on that. I didn't do a good enough job researching. Um, but yeah, I, 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 liked when, um, I liked when the instruments were more um, in the mix, not the vocals. Um, yeah. And if there were vocals, I liked when he mixed Sharon's voice in, and that was about it. The lyrics on these, on some of these songs, though, uh, specifically Future Lovers, ugh, like, there's a line on this song that says, uh, she was bending the light, calibrating rainbow eyes, the last dissolving divide. And, like, this is the kind of stuff that makes me, this is the stuff that makes me not really like the genre. It makes me want to detach my ears from my head and uh, not my style. But, um, it's a nice sounding album um, overall, and you're right. It was low stakes. It's it, it's it's not um, it's not uh, completely unpleasant to listen to. There should be something that anybody would pick out on on first or second listen. So. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to move on to uh, another LA based um, hip hop group this time by the name of clipping. Uh, so clipping is coming off of a sister album they made last year. Uh, that was a surprise hit. Um, and it was called there existed an addiction to blood. And now they've come out this year on Halloween ish once again, in that, in that, uh, part of the month. Uh, and this one's called visions of bodies being burned. Um, it's an interesting genre we're covering here. It's, it's theoretically called horrorcore which is a blend of hip hop with um, huge themes of horror in the background. Um, and they usually stories in these cases, uh, stories about gangsters, the streets, mobs, but told in a much more grisly horror themed way with, you know, gory deaths, um, disturbing stories, maybe some ghostly apparitions in there somewhere. Um, this type of, uh, this type of hip hop has been around a while, even since, the 80s in some respects but it was really popularized by guys like Eminem in the uh in the uh late 90s and also a guy like Tech 9 does horrorcore as well. What do you think about that though? Hip hop with horror themes is that gimmicky to you, Kev? Yeah, so I think if um the artist isn't that skilled, it could just become a disaster. Like when you just think of mashing up those two, it sounds awful. It sounds cheesy, it sounds corny. But I think the creativity and the skill are here with clipping. And it's just, to me, it was just such an interesting style to listen to. And I felt, I had that feeling that's one of my favorite feelings when I listen to music. It's just this thrill that you're listening to something that's truly different, truly unique, 
that no one else is really doing. Um, so I thought it was very creative. And um, they not only use horror as um, kind of context or, or as you know themes in the lyrics, they actually use it in the sound design of their music. So a good example is, you know, it's such a creative use of the horror trope of um, somebody knocking on a door, just like a loud banging on a door. They use that as a percussive sound in some of their songs. So I think that stuff like that is super, super cool. Yeah, I was going to say, so it seems like they're they're using sound samples up the wazoo here. There's like flies buzzing, the, the, the gasping and the knocking on the door on 96 Neve Campbell that I think you're alluding to. Yeah. Um, I think that it really comes down to, though, when you're doing horrorcore, if it's done well, it comes down to the stories. They have to be telling good, gripping stories as well. Um, otherwise, it just becomes an exercise in how many scary vocal samples you can use, which right. to me, to me is a little is a little gimmicky. But these guys definitely balance it the right way, um, and they tell interesting stories. And each song is its own. Um, sometimes on this one, especially on the song "Eaten Alive," I think I find that the sound samples got a little ahead of them. There's two minutes on. There's two minutes straight of 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 just random assortments of noises. It sounds like a band practice that turned into a big scrap or fight for two yeah. minutes. On their last album, there was 18 minutes of a piano burning, which was not my style. Um, but uh, yeah, what did you think of, uh, what did you think of David's, uh, his flow? I, um, I think he, he falls somewhere between like, uh, got a bit of an accent on him. So he sounds a bit like an outcast and Andre 3000, uh, big boy mix, but he's also articulate as well. He, he sounds crisp, like Aesop Rock a little bit. What do you think of his uh, vocals? Yeah, I, I thought they were great. Like, I thought they were really interesting and they kept me um, engaged throughout. Um, and the lyricism here is is unique because of this genre. Like, it's not just, you know, talking about gangsta shit, whatever. Like, it's just super, like, out there kind of uh, lyrics, for especially for this genre. So I thought it was great. Um, I, I didn't know that he was famous outside of clipping um, and because he was in Hamilton. I never actually watched or saw Hamilton, um, but if if this is what Hamilton's like, I'm I'm definitely no. uh, on board. <laughs> I figured I, it I haven't wasn't. watched it either, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's not of this same genre. <laughs> yeah. Um. Did what? Uh, what were your highlight songs? Um. I would have to say. Uh, so yeah, ninety six Nev Campbell. That that song is so is so a awesome. Of a track. I yeah, loved I love it. it. Um. And it's a reference to Scream, uh, the film. Yep. Um. So. Definitely, it's it's clear what their influences are. Um, songs like Pain Every Day just show like that there's real musical uh, skill here. So that song is written in a 7-8 time signature. I don't know much about hip-hop or rap, but it, it seems to me that, that it's not really a genre where you have that kind of uh, time signature experimentation. That's more of like a math rock kind of thing. Uh, but it just makes this really cool like rhythm and really cool like flow uh, in the verses. A song like Looking Like Meat, that is just the on. I was listening to that on headphones and it was just an experience, like just super discordant, loud industrial like sounds uh, that just it really is. It's just an intense experience. Um, I agree with you. Some tracks, it's a little bit overboard. Uh, Eaten Alive, I agree with you. That was just a bit too off-putting, like it's a bit too experimental uh, into noise. But uh, yeah, it's just, I never really lost interest in any of the songs just because they're all so interesting. Yeah, I thought I thought at the end of the day, these guys actually pull it together a second time. Just like last year, I thought it was a strong showing for them. 
Um, and they balance it with, it's easy sometimes when you're telling stories about um, in each individual song, um, it's easy to get caught up in what the story's about, but they actually still turn it into a groovy piece with cool choruses. I thought the, uh, the, the uh, chorus on Check the Lock, really groovy. A song about a paranoid gangster who checks his locks every night because he thinks somebody's watching him or he's gonna he's gonna get killed. Um, I thought they they tie it in, and I still find myself you know um, you know bobbing my head to it and also shouting the chorus out each time. It's sticky, and um, that's hard to do in a genre like this. So I gotta commend them for it. Yeah, for sure. And moving on to our last album, uh, we have the debut solo album from National Frontman Matt Berninger. His album is called Serpentine Prison. Um, he is the frontman and vocalist of The National, which is a highly acclaimed indie rock band. They've been around for uh, the better part of two decades now, and uh, they've been very consistent. They're a band that has a very... Um, idiosyncratic sound that they haven't really changed up too much over time but they've just developed further they've gotten a big following uh and they are they are definitely one of the uh most acclaimed bands of the last two decades personally i'm not a huge fan of the national um his voice is very distinct in its baritone um very low pitched uh but yeah, just that style. I, I find it a little sleepy. Um, so I'm not the biggest national fan. I respect them. I know they're you know regarded as a as a as a great band. But yeah, I guess to approach this, what what do you think about the national, Peter? I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I um, every time I I uh, see a new album by them, I just know it's going to be just a bit of a chore to get through that first listen because it is a little sleepy. Um, but having said that, though. Uh, I do th- I do like some of their songs on uh, Alligator specifically, mm-hmm. um, and I also liked and I'm probably in the minority here. I liked the um, bigger inclusion of female vocalists on their latest album. I am easy to find, um, mm-hmm. but they they're a long running band, um, and I'm glad I'm glad they got their Grammy. I think Sleep Well Beast is the album they got their Grammy on. Um, definitely well deserved. So I, I mean they're long standing. And uh, it's and it's interesting to see like if you wanted to do a solo album, it's uh, it's it seems like the right time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I came into this not really expecting much. I was you know still pleasantly surprised. There are some songs that I that I enjoyed. I really enjoyed the title track Serpentine Prison. Uh, I thought it was a, a great way to end the album. Another song, uh, songs like One More Second. I thought that was good. Uh, there's nothing bad or off-putting about this album in my opinion it's just a little kind of what i expected um and there wasn't really i didn't really i'm not too familiar with the national but i still didn't really see this as a huge departure from the national so in my view i'm not seeing where this really stands out in the discography of the national um like do you see it as really kind of a standout album um, I'm I'm with you there too. I I think especially on the first three tracks, I I think my eyes are t-shirts, distant axis, and one more second. By the time I got to one more second, I was like, this just sounds like like the national could be playing on it. Like yeah. I, I don't understand what I don't understand what's distinct here. But having said that, I do think that he turned it in after that song. He turns it into much more of a a folky Americana bluesy kind of indie rock album after that there's neat introduction there's neat uh, inclusions after that like uh the harmonica 
I just made it a little bit more bluesy, which sounds more like, you know, you know, a guy going through a midlife crisis by himself, you know, with this in the background seems about fitting. And I thought that was distinct. Yeah. Um, there's a, I also found like on songs like Take Me Out of Town, um, this vibe was even stronger as well. There's like a twangy acoustic guitar here. He was trying to go like Americana blues rock on this a little bit. Yeah, I, I get this, this vibe. I get a very strong image from this album. And the image that I get is it just feels like I'm really old sitting in a rocking chair on a warm summer evening. That That's what came to mind. So just kind of like old and sleepy and kind of bored, but it's still nice. If that makes any sense. I was uh, I was actually envisioning him singing it as well, but I, I envisioned him in a very luxurious high class tavern by himself with some band serenading him on the stage. And he's drunk and depressed, and this is what he's thinking about. <laughs> which which actually fits into a lot of the Nationals' themes, in my opinion. Just, yeah. you know, older older generations talking about life yeah. and relationships. Like, it's not very different lyrically from what he would normally talk about just by himself this time. All right, let's uh, sum up the albums that we talked about. So the first album that we talked about was uh, the new EP from Local Natives, Sour Lemon. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I would consider myself a fan of this band. I don't like everything that they do. When they get into that melodramatic territory, it really loses me and annoys me. And they do that on a song like Lost, which I really hate. But um, the other three tracks, I think they're decent. There's nothing wrong with them. Uh, they don't annoy me. So. Uh, three out of four, I, I think that that means it has to be a play for me. Uh, I, I thought this one was a pause. Even though it's a pleasant listen, I just didn't feel like there was anything distinctive um, versus what anyone else in this area of music is doing. Um, even though the, the vocals are very nice, I just, I don't know what's going to keep me listening to it later. A lot of them, I, I you, you've, you've made fun in the past, but like, I feel like I could just listen to Fleet Foxes instead. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, and then we uh, moved on to the new album, uh, Visions of Bodies Being Burned by Clipping. Um, I thought this was an interesting take, uh, once again, on the horrorcore genre. Um, I thought this album was even more consistent than last year's, although I, the, last year's did have some real hits that uh, I'm not sure if they topped on this one, but the consistency was definitely there. Um, and the overwhelming track list... Uh, upon first listen um quickly goes away when you realize just how many good tracks there are on here and, and all the stuff they're doing i think it was uh i think it was really good it's a play for me yeah i uh i didn't really know what to expect going into this but i think this is a a hugely interesting album i think they very intelligently incorporate these horror themes um in many different ways not just in the lyrics but also in the sounds they use and how they uh incorporate them into the music uh, songs are very creatively structured, um, and it, it sounds great, and it's just a super interesting listen. It's very intense, and I can totally see people um, turned off by this kind of music, but I thought it was really, really interesting, and uh, definitely a play for me. And our last album was the debut solo album by national frontman Matt Berninger, Serpentine Prison. Um, you know, this one was always going to be tough for me just because I'm not hugely into his voice or the national. And, you know, this is not really treading um, too much new territory in that respect. 
Um, I would have liked to see a bit more experimentation uh, when it comes to instrumentation and even his vocals, but it's fine. Um, uh, again, yeah, like what, what I said before, it's just kind of sleepy. Um, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just not really my kind of thing. So uh, that'll be a pause. Um, I think if you would have kept the momentum up past, um, you know, the middle of part of the album, I found the it was the late stages where it got just too sleepy. And I was like, enough, Matt, that's I can't <laughs> do this anymore. But if he, he had some good momentum going, especially on songs like uh, Loved So Little and Silver Springs, I thought those were great tracks. Pink Floyd vibes on Loved So Little, which was really nice. Um, but the, it's that last half. It just doesn't uh, it's too it's too polarizing and too spotty. And um and, and you're right, he doesn't do enough to distinguish himself from the main band. This just feels like national B-sides, unfortunately, at the end of the day. So it's a pause for me, too. All right. So before we get into the topic, I'm going to quickly cover some songs that uh, came out over the last week or so. Uh, one of them is the new collaboration between Dua Lipa and Angele, uh, who's a Belgian indie pop artist. Uh, there's a new track called Fever that they're on with an accompanying music video I liked. Um, this feels very uh, Euro, and uh, and I think both vocalists come out very strong here. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Dua Lipa is just singing about the same thing she usually sings about. She's, you know, just living her daily life, uh, doing her thing, and then she's caught off guard and swept up by someone. And it's, it's very, like, very lyrically um, vanilla for her, but she does a good job nonetheless with it. But Angele, with her with her breathy French vocals, um, really makes this track pop. And the two of them together, I think, do a great job. It merges very well. And um, this has definitely been one of my most played tracks over the last week or so. Uh, and then finally, uh, System of a Down, back with their first, uh, first bit of music uh, in 15 years, I think. Um, there's two songs that they came out with. Uh, one's called Protect the Land, and the other is called Genocidal Humanoids. Uh, and they released it, um, not, you know, there's probably no album coming out just yet. Uh, we knew they were touring and maybe trying to make some music, but this is actually first and foremost released to shed light on uh, the intense killings happening in uh, Artsakh in the Armenian region of Azerbaijan right now. Um, so mad respect for them putting out uh, some music and really communicating in the one way they know how, um, which is through song. Um, I like the guitar on both the tracks. Um, I I think I think vocally um, vocally they're hitting at the right notes. Um, I just think that uh, very easily you can see that uh, Surge and Darren have, have aged a little bit. They're not as wild as they once were. But uh, having said that, honestly, um, they're really they're really well written alt metal tracks at the end of the day. Um, and uh, and I find the, the the last track in particular, Genocidal Humanoids. Um, was very thrashy and fast paced, um, especially in the middle parts where they almost go like there's blast beats. There's they almost go full black metal on you, and it's really uh, really intoxicating and really really cool to to listen to. Um, but like I said, um, I'm really glad that they released something like this, uh, and they're talking about um, they're shedding light on something that would have easily been glossed over because of the presidential election. So um, I think it's an important release for them, not just because it's been 15 years. All right, uh, we're going to get into the topic now. So uh, Kevin and I uh, did not like Matt Berninger's latest uh, solo and first solo album um, where he breaks away from the national and tries to uh, to make an album of his own. 
Um, but we wanted to talk a bit more about that. Uh, Kevin and I seem to know quite a few different artists where uh, they were originally the front men or maybe a key contributor to the band, and then they broke away and uh, became their own artist um, uh, soon after. Um, and we wanted to talk about, um, more often than not, do we see that that works? Why do they do this? Um, Kevin, you want to start us off? Yeah. Uh, so, so one thing that I've always thought about uh, when it comes to this is... I wish I could be a fly on the wall inside the recording studio or whatever, or the the, the practice space, um, because I always wonder, like, when a solo artist, you know, goes rogue and they do their own thing, is it because is it because they have material that doesn't fit the sound of the of the main band, or is it stuff that they're really pumped about? They show the band members, and the band members are like, "No, this is awful," and then the solo artist is just like, "Okay, fine, I'm gonna." take my ball and go home. Like I'm going to release it on my own. Um, so I always wonder about that because like, yeah, like what is the mindset that you think that these solo artists are, are, are going, um, what do you think they're trying to achieve? Um, I was trying to go through my Apple music and see how many examples I, uh, I saw of this. There's actually quite a few. Um, but in most cases I was seeing that the music that they were producing, um, was just, was just far too different from what the main band was doing. It was mm-hmm. so different that there's just no way that the fan bases could could, could listen to it and enjoy it. So the, and the, the examples I thought of were um, uh, Corey Taylor from Slipknot just released something. It's an awful album, but um, <laughs> very different from what Slipknot was doing. Maynard Keenan with Pucifer. Oh, God. Um, very different. I don't think Tool bands necessarily would like that. Maybe they'll listen to it because it's Maynard, but uh, he was doing something very different at the time. So, of course, that needed to be a solo album. And then um, I thought about uh, Dan Tompkins from the metal band Tesseract as well. He always wanted, you can tell he wanted to go full ambient electronic, which is kind of what he does. And it was just so different. But I've seen I've seen uh, instances where um, they just got fed up with what the band was doing. So, uh, Stephen Wilson with Porcupine Tree, you can tell that he, he, he was worried that the band was getting stuck in what they were doing. And then he broke away and he wanted to try and, you know, expand the sound and do more with it. And uh, boy, did he ever. He's got an interesting catalog of solo releases that are very ambitious. What what uh, examples did you come up with? Yeah, uh, I, I thought of a, a couple different things. Um, the one that really came to mind uh, for me was uh, Father John Misty. Um, he was the original drummer for Fleet Foxes. And Fleet Foxes is technically a band but robin pecknold really is the heart of it like he pretty sure he writes the majority of the music he's even on on shore the latest album uh, that we loved from earlier this year he is basically the only contributor um uh to it so uh father john misty though he was the original drummer he branched off and started his own solo career and i think what's interesting with him is it's not necessarily the sound that's different because it, it is the same kind of folky, um, you know, modern Americana kind of kind of thing. But I think the difference is the tone where Fleet Foxes plays it pretty straight and it's it's very, um, you know, warm and 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 uh, thoughtful. Father John Misty takes this completely different tone where it's very sarcastic, very self-deprecating. Um, and so. I think in that sense, I, I understand why he did it, because it, it, it achieves a much different goal. Um, but one thing that I was wondering, though, is um, do you think that that when they branch off to make their own solo album, are they 
aiming the music at the fans of the primary band or do you just see it as you know they're just doing it as an outlet and they don't really they don't really care who's gonna listen to it um i think it might be a bit of both i think that the artists that that branch off are selfish in that sense and they they want to do something different and they want to try and and challenge them um but i I also think that some artists just flat out don't know how to branch out differently and 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 so they hit the same fan base anyways like for instance i was thinking jack white um so the white stripes had a fallout and then eventually jack white just started doing his own solo material and i i hear little to no difference really um versus white stripes especially in the early part of his solo catalog he's he's written some ambitious stuff but um he and Steven Wilson that I mentioned earlier, they definitely were not trying to win fans because of this music. They just wanted to do what the hell they wanted to do, right? Um, and I, I sense that more often than not when I was looking through uh, these artists that I was mentioning. Yeah, the, the main one, uh, another one that came to mind for me was, um, so there's the band The XX, um, who are you know pretty popular and, and uh, acclaimed in their own right. The producer, so there's three of them, two vocalists and a producer. The producer, Jamie XX, he came out with his own solo album in 2015, I believe. And that, I, I think, is you know one of the most acclaimed uh, electronic albums of the 2010s. Um, I really enjoyed it, even though I don't really gravitate towards that music. But he really took, um, I, I feel like the XX's sound is is it's interesting and they do it well but it's it's pretty narrow like you can't really go too far outside of it because it's it's very minimalist um and very uh simple with its instrumentation but i think jamie xx he used the solo album as an outlet for him to explore all kinds of different sounds the album is called in color and uh the the cover art is just like this this uh very bright, colorful image of different uh, colors. So it's clear that he's really trying to branch out and, and expand uh, his sound. And I think he was very successful in doing that. Do you find that in most cases it it flops? So it, it, obviously in the Jamie XX um, scenario it didn't, but more often than not, are you finding that uh, it doesn't live up to expectations? I think it... Um... I wouldn't say I wouldn't go so far as to say that they flop just because I think for most fans of the primary band, their expectations aren't high to begin with there. Most people are just happy that uh, this front person or band member is putting out more music and they aren't really expecting it to be earth shattering or anything. So uh, I wouldn't say that uh, it's common for these albums to be really game changing and groundbreaking. But I also wouldn't say that it's common that these albums are, are terrible and then they just you know, outright flop. You're right. Usually the ideas they're sitting on are good enough that it should sustain an okay album at the end of the day. Um, I, I was struggling, though, to find one where it eclipsed the original band. And the, on, the only examples, and this seems a little strange of an example, but uh, the only examples I could think of were, you know, those old pop groups from the 90s or... Um, or yeah, or R and B groups where um like like NSYNC or or Destiny's Child where you know Justin Timberlake, Beyonce, they eventually go on to their solo careers, um and and make some of their most cathartic, strongest songs there. Um yeah. and while the old stuff was good, I do feel like those individuals might have eclipsed it, but I could only find it in that genre. I couldn't find it um in any of like the metal or rock I was listening to uh, back in the day couldn't uh i couldn't find it there it yeah. it, it, it falls it falls where you're saying it's it's good it's not game changing um but it's good enough right 
All right, that uh, pretty much does it for us. Uh, we looked over these three interesting albums this week. Um, next episode, we're going to have, uh, I think, a pretty interesting one. We're a little bit behind, but uh, we're definitely going to be catching up on uh, Positions by Ariana Grande. So stay tuned for that episode. Uh, we'd like to thank you again for listening. Um, and uh, just take a no- uh, another reminder that uh, in our show notes, you'll have the recommendations that we have for each of uh, the albums that we reviewed. And uh, those will also be added to our Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Um, for more content, uh, follow us on Instagram at Play Button Podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.